Adam Angst on privacy concerns, the iPhone 13, and a whole lot more with the Apple Cider User Group. This is Mac Voices. Today's Mac Voices is supported by Quip. Better oral health made simple. Go to getquip.com slash macvoices to save $10 on a Quip smart electric toothbrush. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is part two in a three-part conversation with Adam Angst and the Apple Cider user group. This time, we start into a discussion, a broader discussion of privacy as we wrapped up a more specific one in the first part. We talk about iPhone 13, exploding batteries, and a whole lot more. Let's get right back to it with Adam and Apple Cider. So, so, so the bigger question really is somebody asked about, you know, security and, uh, you know, in this day and age, nothing is secure. You do nope. really don't have privacy, no matter what Apple tells you. Uh, there really is no privacy. Uh, they know locations. They know, I mean, nope. so, you know, if you want to have privacy, don't get a smartphone. <laughs> No, uh, phone. Don't Dumb go on the internet. Too. Dumb phones have to know where you are so they can ring. Right. Um, I mean, realistically, what we've what we've ended up, and you're absolutely right. And I, I think it was, I can't remember the guy's name, Scott, someone who's the CEO of Sun Microsystems, Scott McNeely. I think he was the first guy who said privacy is dead. And that was about 20 years ago. Because the fact is, is that, you know, whether or not we know it, um, there's just so much about a modern life that is being tracked in every way. So, for instance, using a credit card, driving with an easy pass, um, you know, as a carrying a, a cell phone of any sort, um, all those things, to, you know, in some way, shape or form reveal information about you. And for the most part, whether or not we know it, we're OK with it. Like, yeah, most people are willing to give up a little privacy so they can get free email or so they can get free messages to their friends. And, and, you know, my phone knows that I'm in my house. Well, that's a pretty good bet that I'm in my house. You know, that's not, I'm not, I'm not really worried about that. Now, of course, you know, this, this, I mean, there's, this is the problem. This is what the, what the privacy um, proponents always point out is, well, you shouldn't have to do that or think about that. And I'm like, well, that's true. And that's, and if you're going to go there, you have to be able to willing to make concessions to not live in the modern world. Right. The modern right. world is just that way now. The government right. requires that you have a piece of paper showing that you're allowed to drive a vehicle. Yep. Now, horrors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where right now I'm in Rhode Island and if the authorities wanted to know where I am, uh, in probably five minutes, you know, they get the, uh, the easy pass and my credit cards and all this stuff. And they know exactly where I am in room one fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> of course we can tell they, <laughs> yeah. We you have your IP me. address. You can report yeah. me. <laughs> now, now, realistically, I mean, one of the things that is true still, um, although it's not going in the right direction, is that that information is actually fairly hard to assemble. And, and so just because it could, let's say there's, let's say someone shoots you while we're watching and we're like, oh, no, someone just shot Ken, quick. Ah, where is he? There you have know? been TV shows with that plot already. 
Right, precisely. <laughs> but but the but the but the fact is, it would take the police some amount of time to put all those things together to find out if we didn't know you were in Rhode Island. Right. Um, you know that it would it would be days if you know at least days um, is my guess, just because all this stuff comes from different different places. Now, going forward, of course, we're just getting better and better at linking stuff. Um, yeah. So there was you know, an it, interesting court case a year or so ago with. Um, the police put a GPS tracker on a suspect. Um, I think they put it on, on, on his car, like you see in the movies all the time. And um, stick it underneath. Always they were able to track his locations and figured out he was at these, you know, um, uh, conspiracy events and then were able, were able to arrest him. And the lawyer successfully argued and it went up to the appeals court, at least. I don't know if I made it to the Supreme Court. The police cannot put a GPS tracker on your car. Um, because you pull your car into the garage and inside your garage, you have an expectation of privacy. Privacy, yeah. So the police argued that, well, we could have just had someone following him. And the court said, that's okay. Because you can watch him go into the house. You're still outside. If you went into the house after them, you'd be breaking the law. So they, they were just trying to, they were trying to save costs. <laughs> we live in interesting times. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that, I mean, and partly when I, when I said, what do we as a society think about a device that monitors and reports criminal activity that we undertake? I meant that what do we see as a society think? I don't think there's an easy answer. You know, I mean, for instance, like, you know, the, the, a car that reports if you're speeding. I mean, as Chuck pointed out, we know our, our cars all know that we're speeding, right? Um, you know, that's really painfully obvious at all times. And there's easy, it's easy, easy to report that. We can certainly determine it after the fact if there's an accident. But um, but that feels like something that, you know, like you, you, you know, wh at what level of breaking the law, is it yeah. a problem versus not a problem? You know, like the throughway authority goes said three miles an hour to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, the throughway sort of said they're not going to do that. Even though, although even though with the, with the, the paper ticket cards you, you used to get, they could calculate your yes. speed based on the time it took you to get from booth to booth. And now they and now they take photos of your drivers of your license plates. If you don't yeah. have an easy pass, they'll they'll still still bill you. So so right. So again, you know, it's like I think this is. I mean, the reason why I'm raising these as questions is, is I think they're questions that need to be discussed. And and it doesn't just come down to privacy is has to trump everything because the problem is that we live in a very different world than we used to. Um, and no one could ever have known anything about you, you know, your, your presence, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, where you like, just, it wasn't possible. Um, you had to have eyewitnesses and things like that. And so that's where a lot of, uh, a lot of our, our laws and our expectations and our social mores come from. And we're just not in that world anymore. And I think that not enough of those discussions are taking place. You know, as you say, is a GPS different than having the guy following? Mm, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's you know, it's arguments, and then you know, it's, what is it? What does society feel that's worth? Um, you know, is it? Yeah, worth, we always want to know? stop the bad guys, but we don't want you to infringe on us, right? And we don't want to, and 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 until we're affected by the bad guys, then suddenly we want you to stop the bad guys. You know, just, I mean, just think of uh, of of this. You know, yeah, I'm in Rhode Island, and I'm I iPhone came up red light camera ahead. Okay. So I'm thinking, Oh, wait a minute. In the future, they're going to have 
devices in your car and it's going to know the speed limit is 55 and it won't let you go over 55. I actually want that. (laughs) There's lots of times that I'd be happy to drive the speed limit. I just don't want to think about it. (laughs) If everybody else is driving the speed limit. The car would control how fast you go based on what highway you're on. The, the police. There have been police agencies that have tried to shut down those black uh, red light warning cam- cameras. Um, uh, Waze, uh, a driving GPS app, will warn yeah. you about uh, speed mm-hmm. traps, and they've tried to shut those down because some of that's just revenue. You know, if right. if you're if you're doing a hundred miles an hour on a fifty-five, you're obviously you know reckless, and they'll they'll find you. But if you're doing you know sixty and a fifty, then let's see. Yeah. Let's see. That's actually the thing is they won't. So. Reasons I won't get into. I've had to make several trips to Stamford, Connecticut, four-hour drive, um, going down mm-hmm. towards New York City. And the first time we took the slightly more, um, slightly you know, more New York City route, there were three or four times there were people driving a hundred, weaving in and out of traffic. Um, you know, where I'm going eighty, thinking or seventy-five or eighty, thinking I'm like going a little faster than I'd like, and this guy blows by me like I'm standing still. Then the ambulance, three lanes, you know, all go in one direction. The ambulance goes through, you know, everyone kind of pulls over a little bit. So the ambulance can get through. The ambulance speeds through. Six people in his draft. <laughs> I was like, seriously? Throw the book at them. I mean, like, see, that's the sort of thing where like, okay, like that's not speed. Speeding, that's reckless endangerment and and you know and you should you you know you should you should suffer for that in some way because you could kill someone um and you know it's like that's what i was saying there's just differences that's not going 75 in a 65 zone that's you know one slight mistake and you've killed someone you know there's so, a special level in new york called depraved indifference really they, yeah <laughs> They can charge you for that. So, so you know, like 125 miles an hour. That's that's beyond reckless endangerment. That's depraved indifference. I like that. I like that. Okay, we'll get to a Boy, Chuck, Adam. Have, Chuck, have yeah. we gotten off topic yet or not? Well, well, you know, I, well we weren't sure what the topic was, so we just made that one the topic. <laughs> I, w- I want to do a little audience participation here because there's there's one thing that you haven't touched on at all, and I'm kind of surprised. How many people have? either a doorbell camera or one of the, any of the security cameras inside or anywhere on your property outside. Oh yeah. Yeah. We all yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. Oh so, really? Yeah. See, I don't, I don't at all. Okay. No so if, if, if one of you tries to leave your house, leaves your phone inside, leaves everything, all the electronic, we're still watching. We're still <clears> watching <throat> through all those cameras, you know, and, and the interesting part is, I mean, cause I'm guilty, but I have them pointed not necessarily, I have one in my home, but I have most of mine pointing out my windows mm-hmm. so I can see what's going on outside. Mm-hmm. And my neighbors, delivered. yeah, exactly. And my neighbors obviously have no say in whether I'm pointing a camera, you know, at them in their window if they're close enough or just see who's coming and going in their driveway. So, I mean, we live in a surveillance state. It's just, that's the way it is. And we've done it to ourselves voluntarily because of convenience and security. I have a quick technical question. <laughs> Wait, you think this is a technical talk? Oh, I don't know yeah. about that. Go ahead, sorry. Well, this is a, this is one of my token ignoramus oh, questions. Charlie. Is there a way to uh, uh, copy and paste an image into the uh, Zoom chat? Hmm. That's a good question. 
I don't know. You can up the you can upload a file. There's a little file icon button. Right. Upload it to the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's that's no, that's linking to that's, stuff. That's it's only linking to yes, shared services. So yeah. I tried to I tried to drop an image into the chat. Um if I send to everyone. Um it's letting me I'm getting a green plus. So it's like I could drop, but it's not doing anything. It's as like the feature is halfway there. As long as it's not CSAM, Adams, try to send it and see what is happens. There's something in the new app feature. They have the apps, new app feature. Is there something in there that would allow something like that? I don't know. In Zoom, there's a there's a new thing and it's apps. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just I just selected that. Um but uh, it's, the menu it's for, for third-party companies to create new apps to let Zoom do more things. Where's Where's the menu for that? At the bottom of the screen with all the. Oh, you're on an iPad. No, you I'm hit, on a Mac. On the okay. Mac at, at the bottom of the screen with all the buttons. It's the last button. The one that says reactions. That's uh, mm-hmm. right next to reactions. Aha, I figured it out. Okay, so. Uh, you can all see you can all see the results from the race I'm I, one of yep. my races I manage. Um, basically, it was a Dropbox app, a file, mm. and so I was able to link a Dropbox file in. So, so in theory, you could put an image in Dropbox, Charlie, and um, and link to it that way. Or OneDrive or Google Drive or, or Box. OneDrive. Yeah, yeah. that's a it's, it's a weird what it what all it of says them but me, Apple. <laughs> well, what it says to me is is that they're they're trying to make a general a general feature. They're not trying to be platform specific um, yeah. because this would require them to be a. They're, I mean, Zoom is an okay Mac app, but it's not great. So that's my and guess. Charlie, I think you probably need to update your Zoom app to get that that app's feature. Actually, yeah, you 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 very well may be right. Although I sort of obsessive compulsively check for updates after every time I go on Zoom, but. So they yeah. must have done it since then. Um, I'm looking at that race thing there. So that part worked. But yeah. in other words, the image I have would be in my finder. And that's the one place you can't get it from, huh? Doesn't seem like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know, Adam. I just tried see what happens because I just drug uh, a, a ping over and I got a green. Yeah, I got a green um, thing, but nothing happens when I drop but, it. Yeah, but you're right. Wonder if I do that. Nope. So, that's so everyone should look at the race results and see if you recognize anyone. Uh, there's definitely people from Rochester in this in this race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and many of them are old. <laughs> <laughs> it's a master smile. That's, well, that, really that's interesting. interesting. It, it it opened the PDF from your Dropbox. Yeah, it's it's not even you're not even getting the file. It just it literally linked to the linked to the, the file link. in Dropbox. Yeah. So, huh. oh yeah, like does anyone here know Edna Heyer? She lives in Fairport. No. Oh, no. Williamsville, Sandy Balling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't need to talk about uh, talk about this. So anyway, uh, good question, Charlie. And I think the answer is uh, you found uh, you found something that Zoom could improve. Yeah, thanks for for giving it a try, guys. 
But we're really going back to the camera um, issue. One of the security issues with, with cameras, especially the cheap Internet of Things things, is that there's almost no security, especially yeah. on the cheaper ones. Yeah. And there are flaws being found in so many of these cameras um, that never get fixed and allow people to get in. There was, there was a great um, uh, case I talked about on Security Now last year where someone bought a camera. Um, I think it might even have been a D-Link camera, pretty reputable brand, returned it. And then a few weeks later, started getting notice that there were new pictures in, in his camera because the camera ID didn't change. And so the, whoever bought that used camera um, was now taking pictures and they were going to the first guy's account because it still existed. So there was, there was no security between them. So one of the things you can you can do to help a little bit is put your security cameras, your thermostats. Um, I got an air conditioner that that has Wi-Fi in it, so I can turn it off if I forget after I go to bed. Um, put those on your guest network so that they can't be used as a foothold in your private network. So if somebody breaks into your smart light bulb, you yeah. don't want them to be able to get to the rest of your computers. Yeah, yeah. Or use HomeKit. So um, uh, these cheap things are, no, are not usually HomeKit compatible. They have their own apps, um, and that's where the security is really terrible. One of the big reasons, if you're going to be doing home automation stuff, to use HomeKit, um, aside from the fact that it's sort of built into Apple, Apple operating systems, is that uh, Apple does do a better job of security than pretty much everyone else. Even if they are not perfect, um, they are trying. And so um, some of these, these really, like HomeKit, they came out with uh, HomeKit Secure Video. Um, which makes sure that you know your video is properly protected and encrypted and things like that when you're using a HomeKit Secure Video compatible camera. There's yeah, and, and there were supposedly the recordings were going to go into an Apple HomeKit yeah. file bucket. Yeah, uh, have yeah. they started that already? I'd have to go back and look at Glenn Fleischman did a big article on that um, six months ago for us, so I don't remember the exact detail, but I think it was all live. Um, so yeah. I mean that was one of the big features from iOS 14, as I remember, um, when they when they updated all that. So yeah, I, I mean all this stuff is very, it, it's very, I don't know, it's it's both distressing and interesting from a standpoint of because the other like huge question this gets into is what does it mean to trust people? Because you know you, whenever there's these things come out, it's like oh I don't trust Apple, I don't trust Google, whatever. Well, I mean, or the other one is like, I don't trust the government. Well, you kind of trust them to like run the post office and, you know, keep, keep, keep your food safe and all those other things. And so it seems to be very interesting little slicing and dicing of what trust means and what we think about it. But I think people use the term so generically that it can overwhelm the nuance of um, I'm, I'm, I'm not in favor of this particular activity of the government, um, as opposed to, you know, building roads and plowing the roads and uh, treating the water and, you know, ensuring that all the, you know, all those sorts of other things that we just assume in our daily lives are going to be true, are true because of the government. Um, or, you know, we trust Apple that they're going to, when we buy an iPhone, that it's going to have guts in it. It's going to basically work like an iPhone. They could just sell us a piece of a cardboard box with nothing in it. And that would be a 
break up breach of trust, but they don't do that. So, you know, so we, we all, we trust Apple to do a lot of things. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's tricky to understand like when, and when and how that, that gets modified by the nuance of a, of a particular change and, or awareness of something happening. I mean, some, often these things are happening already. We just don't aren't aware of them. And backing up half a stack, I just found a Zoom tech note on how to send a screenshot or a file. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to work. <laughs> <laughs> how old was the tech note? <laughs> I, put it, I put it in the chat. Yeah. There's it Mac says OS. there's supposed to be a button. Yeah. Okay. Chat. Some Maybe the is... host has to turn on advanced chat options. Oh, I don't know, Stephen. It was like trying to make you co-host. The, I know. I, 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 <laughs> I went to the to be there. I, yeah. I went to the uh, to the page and said, "Do this, do this." I do it, and the option is not there. So, yeah. Sometimes it it I find instructions like that assume you have Windows, but this one specifically says Mac. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So they took yeah. it out in a in a later version and haven't um, updated their tech notes. <laughs> yeah. So what's your point? <laughs> okay. So let's 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 come back on topic. How many people here think they're going to be getting an iPhone 13 when they when they ship September October whatever? Who's 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 looking forward to the iPhone 13? Hmm. I'm hoping enough. my boss gets one so I can upgrade to her 10. <laughs> <laughs> you're holding out for that iphone 6s still aren't you steve yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it's no. gonna be interesting i mean the the you know the i mean obviously I, one thing i love about like new iphones is that is that they will be the best iphones ever right like that's a guarantee um, and the only question is will it be enough better than what you have um or do you need to buy another one just because of like you broke your old one or it's on its last legs or whatever? Um, so, you know, so I'm always curious, you know, like how significant the upgrades are. I have an iPhone 11 Pro. Um, and so I'm fairly likely to upgrade. I usually upgrade every two years just in the kind of keeping up with the technology. But, um, but it does sound as though the changes in this one are relatively evolutionary. The fact that they have an annual upgrade program yeah. means enough people are doing it to make it worth <laughs> Apple's while. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm on the upgrade program. And, yeah. I, and I'm, sur I'm always surprised at the number of people that aren't because they, I'm so, and so many of the people I'm talking about, yeah, they, they buy a new iPhone every year and then they're looking for a way to sell it. Now, admittedly, <laughs> some of them, yeah, some of they them don't have think people, they're gonna, so they don't want to pay the extra money. Yeah. I, I guess, but yeah. Now, admittedly, some have wives, kids, you know, yeah. I've always done hand to hand them down. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's a good reason to do that part. But if you if you're a solo uh, solo person, why wouldn't you do the upgrade program? Because it, I mean, it's a, it's sooner it's no or later, expensive. Yeah, and sooner or later it's going to catch up with me. Yeah, I'm going to have to pay off an iPhone at right. some point. But hopefully, I'll be dead by then. One maybe <laughs> for somebody else to deal with. It's your estate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just just uh, have to uh, reserve this much money to pay off the iPhone. <laughs> this edition of Mac Voices is supported by Quip. Better oral health made simple. Go to getquip.com slash Mac Voices 
to save $10 on a Quip Smart Electric Toothbrush. With the Quip Smart Electric Toothbrush and the Quip app that connects to it via Bluetooth, you can take one more step down the quantified lifestyle path. You can track when and how you brush and get tips and coaching to improve your habits. That's one benefit. Another is that you can earn points for improving and maintaining your good habits and then redeem them for goodies from Quip and their partners. Goodies like a chance to win a $2,500 bathroom makeover, refill credits on other Quip items like the watermelon or mint toothpaste, refills on the Quip floss string, a solar battery charger, and $5 Target e-gift cards. And getting those goodies is easy when your toothbrush tells you what to do, both through the tracking and through the built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you clean your whole mouth evenly. And if you want your kids to develop those good habits early, there's a kid-sized electric toothbrush from Quip2. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Go to quip.com slash macvoices right now to save $10 on a Quip Smart Electric Toothbrush. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Go to getquip.com slash macvoices right now to save $10 on a Quip Smart Electric Toothbrush. That's $10 off a Smart Electric Toothbrush at getquip.com slash macvoices. That's spelled get, G-E-T, quip, Q-U-I-P, dot com slash macvoices. Quip, the good habits company. Thanks to Quip for their support of Mac Voices. Yeah, I, it's an interesting question. I mean, as we've always we've always hand, done hand me downs, um, and um, uh, although that that chain just got broken because our son graduated from Cornell and went to move to Vancouver, Canada, actually to go to do a PhD program at Simon Fraser University. Um, this was in August, and um, three days before he left, his iPhone 10, which was a hand me down. Um, uh, the battery expanded and broke the phone. I mean, it cracked the screen and it was like bending it and everything like that. And it was like, I don't even know if you can fly without a phone these days, <laughs> especially to Canada where you have to use the Arrive Can app to, you know, like to get in. I mean, I'm sure there's ways around it, but I'm, they're probably not pretty at this point. And, you know, we were, of course, in the, you know, like you're not allowed to fly to another country during a pandemic without a phone and so you know so he, he got a new phone right away but uh um, but it was it was an interesting situation we've never been forced to do that before by a by a, a, a breakage that was entirely not a you know no one's fault i mean battery just expanded so that's uh, a little bit scary because that means to me that uh if the and and this uh, because i'm an active nicotine addict refers to a vape I had, but the, uh, the case of the vape, uh, split and, and expanded. And I was glad that it was made that way because, uh, I have others that the case would not do that. And at that point, I think they would just explode. It's not a good thing. These lithium ion batteries can be a real problem. And I think, I think vapes are actually some of the things that the airlines, like they don't allow you to check them because of that. Isn't that right? Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah. But, but my point is that it's just as well that the iPhone gave yeah. away rather yeah. than hung, hung tough until it exploded. Yeah. We see a lot of times on the Max, the uh, expanding battery pushes up on the bottom of the trackpad. So your we, trackpad stops working and that, that could be a bad battery. My my wife, um, uh, my wife had an 11 inch MacBook Air, and um, at some point she's like, 
something's funny with, I mean, it's like, she couldn't quite figure it out because like, it just felt funny. And I wasn't using it. So I took sort of one look at it. I was like, yeah, because the case is bent. <laughs> and it was indeed the battery had expanded. And, and uh, so we, well, and part of the problem is like, what do you do when you get one of these? And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I do, but I, I don't know if this is, this is absolutely the correct thing is I put it outside on the patio on concrete because if this thing goes, it's you know, like you don't want it inside. You don't want it anywhere where it can catch fire or catch anything else on fire. And what we in fact did is we had an old um, like electric fry pan um, that didn't work anymore. We we're going to recycle it and something, and, and I hadn't gotten around to it. And so we put it in that fry pan, the battery in that fry pan. I'm like, okay, it's in you know, it's in metal. It should it should be safe now. Apple it, made us buy a uh, fire safe. Um, uh-huh. as part of the security and, uh, and battery safety protocols. And, and I, I joke that it's a reverse fire safe. <laughs> it's not to protect the stuff inside when yeah. there's a fire outside. To protect you fire the stuff inside. inside. Yeah. And, and it's, it's got like, you know, three or four inch thick um, walls. It's got a spring close on it. So it, it takes a lot of effort to open the door. And heaven forbid you slip because it's going to slam real close to... <laughs> make sure everything stays inside ah. and we're supposed to have a, an outside vent hooked up to it um but we haven't gotten around to drilling a hole through the wall but fortunately we, we've, we've had a, we've had a bunch of swollen batteries but we haven't had one breach yet yeah well none of the i mean none of the ones i mean like his phone it was the same thing actually what i what i ended up doing was taking them to the tompkins county hazardous uh, recycling and you know hazardous waste um, because they can deal with that kind of stuff there um, but yeah, I was like, this is not, you know, you don't want to mess with these. You don't, you don't, you don't just get rid of this stuff. Yeah, um, they put so it, much effort into packing as much power into these batteries to make them as small and light as possible that, um, that they're just on the verge of, of collapse basically. And one of the ironies is the, the 16 inch MacBook pro has a 97 watt hour battery in it. Because the airline maximum is 100 watt hours. If you have more than 100 watt hours of lithium batteries, you cannot board the airplane. Fascinating. Adam, let me tell you. Let me tell you what the Monroe County Recycling Center told me to do with that bulging vape. Yeah. Throw it in that box over there. (laughs) (laughs) With all the other ones. Right. Whatever. I did find that a lot of the batteries recycling centers uh, around town, Batteries Plus. a uh, big chain store that recycles batteries. They won't take them if they're swollen. Um, they want they want to charge you five bucks a piece for swollen batteries. So we yeah. did find some of the recycle the the electronics recycling uh, will take it. And and that was that was crazy too. They didn't they didn't even want them separately. They said dump it in this bin. So they had a giant bin that we put all the batteries <sighs> in, and then all the the uh, you know broken computer parts. That that feels wrong to me because man, yeah. if one of those things goes and it's next to all the other lithium ion batteries, yeah. that seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. Well, that was the uh, value jet crash in Florida. That oh. the um, the uh, oxygen, oxygen, um, oxygen generators. You know, it's the thing in an airplane that where you yank the hose and the oxygen comes out. That's not compressed gas. It's actually an oxygen generator. Uh, there's two chemicals in there that combine to form oxygen, and the result is heat. And um, there was a series of unfortunate incidences where a bunch of decommissioned oxygen generators 
got marked as empty oxygen canisters and thrown into a box. And then the, the uh, FBO, um, that was uh, they, they were trying to clean up their shop because they were having visitors come in to, to bid a new project. They put this box back in the value jet to go back to um, their, uh, their uh, um, corporate uh, warehouse. And they weren't safed properly. Um, cause you, you really have, has anyone had to yank on one of those things to, no. to get the oxygen flowing? You have to yank them pretty hard to break the pin. Um, and you know, worse than like a fire extinguisher where you got to squeeze it so hard to, to break the pin. Um, and there's a procedure the airlines are supposed to use to safe those pins, mm-hmm. but because they got labeled as, um, uh, empty oxygen canisters, nobody did it. And so the, the things bouncing around inside the cardboard box. Um, there were a bunch of old airplane tires they threw in there too. Um, and because of the change in pressure in the cargo hold, the, the um, uh, airplane tires popped that jostled the oxygen canisters more that caused one to breach, which then triggered all the rest of them and, uh, and brought the plane down in the Everglades. That was the one that it, it, it came down like nose first at 500 miles an hour in the Everglades and, and they could barely find any of it left. They did some testing on it and, and everyone was shocked that, you know, like, like a 5,000 degree fire started in their testing facility that, on how bad it was. And, and the lithium batteries are about the same. There were a lot of YouTube videos in the early days of people drilling holes through batteries and go, wow, look at all that smoke coming out. No, don't drill a hole in your battery. <laughs> Uh, that would yeah. seem to be Speaking obvious. Of batteries, uh, my 2013 late late 2013 MacBook Pro, uh, I couldn't do a time machine on it, and it turns out that uh, the battery had expanded. Oh. When you took the back off, it looked like it was b- balloons on all of them. Yep. Wow! Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, with that model, it's glued to the underside of the top case. Yep. So it's it's um, it's a rather expensive repair. Yeah. Um, I have seen there's companies that make kits where you can uh, with solvent that you you pour into your computer to dissolve the glue so you can replace the battery. That seems uh, like another bad idea. Yeah, without <laughs> without dissolving your logic board while you're in there. I will say that when we, the 11 inch air that we had, it was actually yeah. very easy to disassemble, yep. take the battery out and put a new one in. 2013 is when they started with the uh, batteries that were glued to the top case. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now in 2020, they changed the glue. So it's glue strips. It's, it's, it's a lot like it is on the phones. There's strips of glue uh, at the VHB, very high adhesive bond. <laughs> Um, and you can pull those strips out and replace the battery now uh, as a okay. service provider. They're, they're not considered right. user replaceable still. So it's a little bit more like the IMAX screen strips where it goes around the yes. side of the screen. Yep. Yeah, I did. Um, actually, uh, um, you can see here, I have it sitting on my floor, um, a 27-inch IMAX. Um, and... Uh, that uh, this iMac desperately needed to have its uh, um, its SSD um, mm-hmm. pulled um, because the SSD failed, and it failed in such a way that the computer was actually um, unstable. 
like it, 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 the thing wouldn't mount. It was completely dead from the use standpoint. Just having it in there was problematic, and so I actually had to had to pull it apart. You know, cut the cut the tape, pull it apart, take the SSD out, put in a new one, and and then it worked fine. Um, and it was just fascinating that you know that having that bad card in there um, would really cause all that. You sort of think, oh, it's dead, it's dead, but no, it's not just inert. Yeah. Putting putting spurious data back into the SATA box, probably. Oh, it was crazy. The cra- the weirdness this computer had. Wi-Fi took three minutes to turn on. <laughs> Literally, you'd you'd, you'd you'd boot the computer, and it would be sitting there and sitting there and you're like no wi-fi menu and then three minutes later wi-fi would pop on you're like wow that's a different yeah. box <laughs> ken, uh, yeah ken in, a, in the uh in the meeting has um kind of a side business in in replacing hard drives with ssds and imacs and he's done a bunch of them for friends and family and uh, did a meeting here once to so it's relatively yeah, yeah. easy if you're if you're not too timid I, I actually, to be honest, I actually did two. Um, I had uh, my managing editor's 2014 iMac had also gotten flaky. His his problem was an, was a fusion drive, um, where worse. the SSD had failed, and um, and the same the same kind of thing, just like random flakiness. And so, you know, I had actually taken it somewhere initially, and they were just like, "Oh, we're just going to unplug the hard drive and plug in your replacement SSD." I was like, "Yeah," but then it's the same thing. You know, the dead blade SSD caused problems. And, and that's on the so, back side of the logic board to make it yeah, harder to get out. Precisely. And that's why they didn't want to fix that. And they're like, oh, this will yeah. this will fix that. And I believed them. And I'm like, yeah, didn't. <laughs> yeah, I've done about 30 failed. of the uh, during the pandemic. Wow. I've probably you must been, be great at it right now. Uh, except there's one iMac <laughs> that always gives me a problem. It's like a 2009 iMac. Huh. Because yes, the, the, fan the video control. connector, the video connector on oh, the that one inch iMac is so flimsy and so yes. uh, that you try to put it back in and then it rips it all up and then uh, it's a mess and you try to get a new one, you do the same thing. <laughs> so I keep away from the two, 2009s. <laughs> <laughs> and you hope you don't rip the connector off the uh, logic board because then you got to replace that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had yeah. that happen once with a screen. We had it sitting on the iMac while we were finishing testing, and somebody bumped it, and the screen just fell off. Oh. We hadn't sealed it up yet, and, still, and ripped the cables off. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I did that once, <laughs> and it's not pleasant. Just yeah. once. Good that thing was it, was my, it was one of my old computers, so. <laughs> well, this, somebody else's. in this case with both of these 2014 27s um they were neither of them were necessary they had been replaced and so like it was you know it was all it, it was only upside if i managed to repair them and it took me a couple hours um then it was faster quite a bit faster in the second one you know going through a step-by-step but it was definitely doable i mean Hardest thing, um, the iPhone, I forget which which iPhone model, maybe it was the iPhone 5, which I, I replaced the battery in it. And I'm like, yeah, never again. Um, you know, that was just too hard. Um, and, um, but these, the iMacs, they were, they were tricky, but you could do it. Some of the stuff you obviously just need to be, you know, have a, prof- be a professional, have the tools, you know, have the training, all that. Um, with, not with some of these that. iMacs, when you take them apart, when you use the, um, the suction cups and you take the, the glass mm-hmm. off and then 
the hardest part about the whole operation is then trying to get the glass back on both sides. Yeah. Both sides. Getting it clean without any yeah. squeaks or anything. That's the, the hardest part, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, well, so you I, know, so and it's actually getting worse. Uh, the 24 inch iMac. Um, I haven't had to take one apart yet, but I've, I've read the manual. Um, it's now glued on all four sides. Uh, and there's two special uh, uh, service wedges you have to get because you got to lift up one edge of it so you can cut the glue down that side and disconnect a bunch of cables. Then you got to lift up the other edge of it and cut the glue on it and undo those cables. And then do the reverse when you put it back together again. It didn't have to be that thin. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing screw holes. Or in the old way, when the when the glass was magnetized on, and you you pull the glass off, and there's all the screw holes. That that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's definitely would have been getting into the whole right to repair um, yeah, issues. Exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Or precisely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's I one of those things. I was going to say, I was just like, like I. I I don't think manufacturers should be precluded from design that they wish to do, but there are clearly times when they're just making it hard to make it for the sake of making it hard. Um, and that's just unconscionable, um, you know, or, or, you know, it really would be just as easy to have it, have it, have it, have a screw or a magnet or whatever, as opposed to, um, you know, just pouring glue in there. <laughs> Sometimes well, it feels like they're. I remember it. the early days of the white IMAX, uh, the, the yeah. G4s, the flat panel IMAX. They were user serviceable. That you call up Apple, you diagnose your problem, they ship you a part, and you oh, replace wow. it. We got so many computers that came in for service because people ripped cables. <laughs> um, they, they pulled the cable <laughs> out of the socket instead of disconnecting the socket. Um, and, and it was just, a, and, and half the people didn't want to have to replace it themselves. Yeah. Um, so I can, I can see why Apple went away from that. And then ironically on the Dell side, uh, we were Dell authorized uh, for service. They, they wouldn't talk to us as a service provider. We had to pretend we were the customer <laughs> and they would send us a service part. And, and then we could, we could call back and get talked through how to install it. But they wouldn't talk to a service company. It had to be the end user, and only the end user could buy parts. You know, one of the perfect examples of, you know, making it hard uh, on customers, the 21-inch iMac. Now, the 27-inch iMac, so you have a little slot in the back or used to have it underneath yep. where you can just unscrew it or, you know, take it up and put the put the memory in. They all used on, to have on that. The, on the later... 21 inch IMAX, you had to take almost the whole computer apart just to put in more memory. And the RAM is on the back side of the logic board, not even the front. And, and right. then the ultimate annoyance is the iMac Pro does not have a RAM door. And, and really? the Pro is the machine that you would expect how you, to upgrade. How do, you, how do you put RAM in an iMac uh, Mac Pro? Oh, we know yeah, the iMac Pro. You're saying right, iMac right, the Pro, iMac yeah. Pro, right, right. Yeah, yeah. you tear it all. Yeah, apart the iMac the Pro was a terrible, a terrible design. I was like, "Come on, guys, you, you're just trying to buy time here." I never upgraded that machine. So yeah, the trash can Mac Pro didn't work, and we better we need something yeah. better. We need <laughs> something better. Look, we can make it matte black and give yeah. it a big 
big Xeon. So, so now that's the rumor now about a, the the 27 inch iMac is going to get replaced with a 32 inch space gray because that's not available uh, in the the 24 inch colors to mm-hmm. replace both the 27 inch iMac and the iMac Pro. Well, I will admit after after getting an M1 MacBook Air and seeing how it performs. I have a. I replaced this 2014 um, with a 2020 iMac um, last August, and um, I would have to think really hard if they came out with a 27 inch or larger iMac um, with the with an M1 or M whatever, um, because the performance on that MacBook Air is just it's almost shocking. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, not that I feel like the 2020 iMac is slowing me down or anything, but but just it's so <laughs> shocking on the other machine. You know, it will drive the 6K monitor. That's true. <laughs> and if they want to give me one of those for less than six thousand dollars, I might consider. <laughs> Um, no, that's, I mean, I say I have this 27 inch iMac and the 27 inch Thunderbolt display, and it's a really nice set. Um, and, um, I, you know, I would be very sad to have to upgrade to something that was not as, not as convenient in terms of like the monitor matching the Mac in terms of size and, uh, uh, just physical ergonomics and everything. So we'll see. I, there's been rumors about Apple coming out with a, a, a lower priced monitor because you couldn't, you almost couldn't come out with a higher priced one than the Pro Display XDR. Um, and, uh, and that would be nice to see, you know, as a, con- you know, as a companion for either the iMac or the Mac mini in particular, or as something for just a normal Mac pro user who doesn't need a pro display XDR. Yeah. Uh, so. One of the things we did hear a lot when, when the pro display came out, especially in the video world, is that really competes with a 30 or $40,000 right. uh, reference monitor. Right. And at six grand, even a thousand more for the stand, that's yeah. a steal. Right for what yeah. what it compares against. Right, it's yeah. But for the it, they average folk, yeah, no. they shouldn't. They shouldn't even have. They shouldn't have even mentioned it in the public. <laughs> you know, it's like this is just this is just for video professionals. Um, and and I'm sure it's gorgeous. You know, I said I would love to have a six K six K monitor on my desk. But did you see um, uh, Marquez Brownlee's setup? He's, he's he's got two Mac Pros and two six K monitors. <laughs> Someone's making too much money from YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I Justine got uh, one of each of the 24 inch IMAX. Yeah, so what do you have back behind you there, Chuck? Um, come on, how, how's podcasting doing? <laughs> uh, those are just two 27 inch Dell monitors. <laughs> there's, there's there's nothing fancy about them. In fact, they're they're, uh, they're they're not even the ones with all the fancy they're, USB C hubs. They're just they're, trimming your set trimmings. Is what you're saying? They, oh no, no, no. They they work. Oh okay. I mean, they're they're no, they're great, but they're just the bottom of the because I, I, I mean, I've got USB ports on my Macs, and I can put a USB dock on it. Why am I going to pay for the extra money to have them pack it into a monitor? You know, it just didn't make any sense to me because I really only wanted the screen real estate. Now. And a lot of monitors that have speakers in them, the, the speakers are so crappy anyway, you wonder why they bother. Exactly. Yeah. Neither yeah. one of these have speakers. So, yeah. And, you were, and you've clearly got some nice speakers behind there. So, yeah, right. Why yes. bother? Yes. I was able to pick up uh, two 28-inch Samsung mon- monitors to go with my iMac for $250. And they wow. work beautifully. Okay, for two hundred fifty dollars, uh, it was worth it because it has the uh, it's a it's a four K monitor. Yeah, right. 
Yeah. Adam Angst is back in the third and final part of our conversation with the Apple Cider user group. Next time we talk about the M1 Max and the power they deliver, uh, the Apple Watch 3 and what we can look forward to there, why or why not folks are looking forward to SharePlay, and have a little fun with some of the new Zoom settings. That's next time on Mac Voices, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode you will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.